Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Well, welcome back, podcast listeners. Andrew here, and with me, of course, is Dr. Tim Elmore. Tim, how are you? I'm your sidekick today. You're my sidekick? Well, I feel honored to be your sidekick. So. <laughs> I, I always feel like the sidekick, so I guess if you're going to take on that role, that'll be fine. But <laughs> okay. right. today we are talking about a really important subject yeah. that so many teachers I meet struggle with, which is I cannot get my kids motivated yeah. to do yes. anything. And so if you've had this challenge, I think this is going to hit right on the nose for many of us. But um, we, you know we like to start off by bantering a little bit, just talking about some of the ways in which we might have experienced or not experience the subject of the day. Yeah. So talk to me about motivation. What were some of the things that motivated you as a kid? Well, in K-12 education as a kid, I had some years where I was that kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wasn't too motivated. I was a little distracted looking out the window, wanting to go play kickball or whatever. So I mean, my teachers used a variety of stunts <laughs> to motivate me. I love that you called them stunts. Yeah. I mean, it was the carrots and sticks. You yeah, know, we've all heard yeah, carrot yeah, yeah. is positive, stick is negative. Yep. But both worked on me at some point. <laughs> but uh, money, bribes, teachers' affirmation, good job, good job, <laughs> clap, clap, clap. But uh, my favorite was Mrs. True was her name. Uh, she gave us creepy crawlers if we had memorized Ooh, the stuff we were supposed to memorize. Like that old candy? Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm way back. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Two generations I'm, I, older than okay. you. Okay. So creepy crawlers for the baby boomers or Xers that are on listening now, they were the a little um, rubber uh, insects that you made in a hot scalding thing. You 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 made them. You poured in the the. I uh, boy, I'm not ready to tell this story. That's for sure. <laughs> but you made them, and creepy crawlers were like bugs and and all kinds of little bugs or insects. But you could make a variety. There's probably a dozen different kinds of creepy crawlers. Okay. And so you'd put your hand out and say what you're supposed to say, and she'd jam the creepy crawlers in your hand. Oh, this you is like, awesome. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it was a creepy crawler that made me learn. You know, that's, that's what did it. If, I'd like to know if you're still motivated that, by that today because I can track some down if I need My to. wife hands me creepy crawlers <laughs> when I do the honeydew list. It's awesome. But do you have any of your own? Well, I remember vividly, I'm sure many kids who grew up when I did in the late 90s, early 2000s, remember the uh, red, yellow, green cards we used oh, to yeah. get during class. I think some places they still do those, yeah. but you know, you start off on green, and if you do something bad, you got to go to yellow and then red, and there are punishments and all of that. Yeah. I remember that. I am a natural people pleaser. Yeah. That's my personality. And so seeing a yellow or a red card up on the board is like, I have, I have yeah. uh, broken society's yes. most fundamental laws. Yeah. You yeah, know, or yeah. whatever. Um, I also really loved the, uh, getting the opportunity to show off my accomplishments. So, show and tell day was very motivating to me. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to put a lot of thought and attention into that. So, those are some of the things that came to mind is getting to kind of share yeah. some of that stuff. Yeah. So, love it. Well, today we're going to talk about motivation. We're yeah. going to talk about being on the other side of it. We're the teacher, the parent, the coach, the educator, the administrator who may be struggling just a little bit to motivate the kids in our day, which would be Generation Z and the Alpha Generation children. Yeah. So to keep them engaged for any period of time is harder for, for the very reasons we've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Eight-second attention spans, 
um, we're up against TikTok, YouTube, Netflix, yeah. Yeah. you know, you name it, Instagram. Yeah. And it's actually, they're actually more intriguing than we are when yeah. we are talking heads in front of the classroom. So we're going to share some research and some ideas today that I think might just be a game changer for the, for the listeners. I love that. Uh, this is, you're exactly right, right? It might have been true at one point for a kid to say, I've got nothing better to do than pay to my attention to my teacher. That's not true today. Yeah. They got plenty better to do, yeah. right? At least as far as they're concerned. So, so true. I want you to start, Tim, because you had your own experience, yeah. not just as yeah. a kid trying to be motivated, but also as an adult trying to motivate. So I once taught a classroom of students uh, with a wide variety of personalities. I'm sure that's true about most people listening. But I mean, some of these kids were loud. Others were quiet. There were some who were completely engaged, even excited to be there. And then there were a few <laughs> who every teacher dreads having in her classroom. Yep, yep. Um, so I was leading these high schoolers on a project that involved a field trip and then a debriefing time. So it was an, it was an activity. It wasn't yeah. just me yakking in front of the classroom. It was quite intriguing. How could some remain so unmotivated on that field trip? It, it was beyond me. It was beside. I, I always wanted to shake them and go, "Why can't you int- be intrigued by this?" You yeah. know that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think a stick of dynamite that day could have moved <laughs> them from their I couldn't care less. Metaphorically speaking, apathetically. Anyways, that's yes. right. Yeah. So no doubt, um, adolescence is a stage of life where this kind of disengagement is common. Um, many just don't get inspired by any adult in their life because they so love the world with each other that they have online. Yep. And it feels like uh, whether it's perceived or real, and I think it is real, it feels like that's happening more and more today. Yeah. So in my experience, when the grades were given, the disengaged students did as I expected. They didn't engage, nor could they articulate what they'd learned or how the experience impacted them. And what's more, (laughs) they didn't even seem to care. You know, it's just their grade meant very little to them. So as I hear you kind of, you're a little bit huffing and puffing as you're talking through this, because I think what you experience is what a lot of teachers experience, which is trying to motivate unmotivated kids is exhausting, right? It just gives you that kind of blank stare in your eye where you're like, I need to go sit and stare for the rest of the afternoon after I try to accomplish this. It's true. Yeah. And you're trying to do this little dog and pony show up front to keep them engaged. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just emotionally expensive. Yeah. You're exhausted because you tried so many ways. Yeah. To, to intrigue them. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. We said the title of this podcast is What Students Say Motivates yeah. Them. And what we want to get to is, and you've got some research to back this up, what is it that students say actually motivates yeah. them? It might not be what we think it it's is. It's true. So if you were to ask me what's motivating for students in the classroom, I probably would have guessed uh, a passionate, motivated teacher. That's yeah. what I've tried to be. And while that's important, it did make the top 10 on the list. It's not what students said was most motivating when 1,011 of them, over 1,000 of them, were surveyed ages 13 to 19. So this is basically high school age, Mm -hmm. middle school and high school. Um, So this was a nationwide survey, and out of 20 options, the number one response as to what would motivate them most to do well in school, drumroll please, thank you very much. You know what they said? A second chance. Really? A second chance. That's it. That's fascinating. So give me another opportunity to try. And simply knowing that I have an opportunity. Yeah. 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 So we're going to unpack the behavioral science behind that. But that did not, I would not have guessed that number one. I would have put it top 10, maybe top 20. But um, students are thinking inside. I don't know if I fully understood 
but I was embarrassed to ask. Mm. When I got the assignment, I did what I thought might be right. I circled the letter C or whatever, you know. And then later, oh, now I think I get it. And I'm not describing every scenario, but I think that happens enough. So this is amongst the findings of, of surveys of teenagers and educators, and it was conducted by Ed Week Research, uh, the Ed Week Research Center uh, on Student Motivation and Engagement. So I want to reflect for just a minute on what this reveals, the second chance answer, what it reveals to us from a psychological or behavioral science perspective, okay? So I would say first, kids are saying that they get motivated when assignments are returned with feedback on how to improve. And then second, when we actually give them a chance to perform better. Mm. So give me feedback that helps me know how I can improve. But then we don't just go on to the next. Give me a chance to do what you asked me to do. Interesting. Now, I know teachers might go, I can't keep giving second. It would just going to take twice as long to teach subject. <laughs> yeah. But maybe this one form how we get it across the first time yeah. so they don't need that. But the fact that they want another chance says they're not lost. Yeah. And they're not completely apathetic. They do want to do better. I just need another chance. Yeah. So this is so intriguing to me. So a chance to redo the project communicates you believe in me because mm -hmm. you gave me a chance to redo it. You must think I can yeah. do better and that you have faith that I can do better. Yeah. So I, I just think that's huge if we yeah. stop and think about it. In a lot of ways, it feels like part part of what might be going on there is a student who's receiving an assignment from their teacher. They think, I've got one shot to get this. Yeah. Their overwhelming feeling is, I'm never going to get this. Yeah. Yeah. But if they know right out of the gate, hey, I want you to try. I'm yeah. going to get you some feedback, and I'm going to give you a second chance yeah. to try again. Perhaps that establishes for them the belief that it's okay if I don't have it all right the first yeah. time, right? Yeah. Which we've talked about a lot of times the students' uh, fear of messing up, that FOMU yeah. thing that we talk about sometimes. Yeah. That fear of failure is sometimes overwhelming and even crippling to a student. And I think for a lot of them, it's demotivating as yeah. well as crippling. So. Yeah, and makes them apathetic then. Yeah. So we just foster the problem. So back in my day, I had good teachers, but it was lecture, drill, memorization, and test. Yeah. That was the model. Lecture, drill, memorization, test. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe it's you get some content ap across, but before you're even done, test them on it. Just give them a little chance. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Mm -hmm. Then you give that second chance, maybe two-thirds of the way through. Yeah. And now they come through with a good grade, and they feel better about themselves, and you feel better about your teaching. I love that. I've even heard of some teachers who give a test back and have students grade their own tests. Yeah, right. right. Which is another way of getting a second chance at the thing I just it's worked so on. so true. So there's a great story that I remember reading not long ago. Uh, Benny's teacher, Susie, begged her principal for more time to help him get through her course, Benny. Uh, Benny needed help with his focus. He was a classic profile of a troubled child growing up in a broken home, which gave him poor odds at succeeding at school. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. But she wanted to show Benny the power of one person giving him a second chance with a teacher who really believed in him. That was her goal. So Susie's principal reluctantly agreed to give her and Benny a few more months as part of this experiment. Well, within a month, Benny stopped bringing drugs to school and began to buckle down and redo his assignments. Susie had seen progress, and she felt so much better about it. Unfortunately, when she had to leave town later uh, in, in, in the semester to resolve a family issue that she really needed to tend to, she questioned if she'd made the right decision. Susie heard that Benny had been expelled from school for a lapse in behavior. Mm. Ugh. 
Maybe that second chance stuff wasn't such a good idea after all. Well, the following year, I love this, Susie was shopping downtown and spotted Benny with some teens who appeared to be the very kind of troubled, at-risk kid he was. I mean, Andrew, I'm talking about tattoos, piercings, spiked hair, baggy pants, chains, tank tops. You get the, you get the picture. Things bad kids do. That's right. right that's right. Um, so they were laughing noisily, seemingly without a care in the world, and Susie's heart sunk naturally as her fears seemed like they were realized. But... Benny was hanging around with the kids that seemed less mature than he was, and that's what turned her heart. She just was so angry. Why would he go back mm-hmm. to this? These are even worse than you. Yeah. But watch this. What's really cool is Benny happened to look over and see her. Suddenly, Benny spotted her, but instead of ignoring her, he trotted over to his former teacher. And since she wasn't even sure what to say because she just thought the worst, he spoke first. Miss Susie, I was just talking about you. You were, <laughs> you, you, you know? And he said, yeah, I told these, guys, these kids that you were the one who helped give me a second chance. Mm. And he paused long enough for her to make an inquiry about what he was talking about. And she said, are they your friends? And he said, well, then he said, sort of. When I graduated, notice when I graduated, so uh-huh. he did make it through, I decided to work with kids who were like me. These guys are still in school, and I'm trying to keep them there. And it's a decent program, he said. For, and for him, that was a major compliment. Yes, it's a yes, decent yes, program. Yes. But Susie's whole heart was changed because she thought, I was about to give up after I did the second chance thing and later realized I didn't realize the power yeah. of a second chance. Second chances aren't just about helping them get a better grade on that test, yeah. right? It's also about teaching them a better way to go about life. Really, so that's true. ultimately what we're getting at. Benny had a new way of seeing things, and now he is a second-chance person, offering that same gift to other students too, which is really cool. Yeah. So I would say, listeners, uh, the first big idea I want to share in light of this information is be careful of your labels. Um, it's nearly impossible for caring adults like you and I to avoid profiling. I mean, let's face it. That's how we file and categorize kids in our head. Uh, We see too many kids each day and place them in categories enables to efficiently help them, or at least most of them, find the right path. And Benny was an at-risk kid. He was. But on the other hand, when profiling nudges us to label students, we can damage their sense of identity. Coming from a difficult background, they likely see themselves as deserving little. Mm -hmm. Come on. Uh, For years, I've heard kids say things like, I'm stupid, or I'm an addict, or no one in my family graduated, so I won't either. Even as freshmen, they said that at 14. They've already decided for themselves. So um, when an adult communicates belief in them long enough, gives a second chance, reinforces it with a corresponding second chance, it can shift a whole teen's sense of identity. That's what happened to Benny. Yeah, He did see himself like the loser, Yep. but Susie kept coming back, you deserve a second chance. That changed the way he saw himself. Yeah. His persona changed. Yeah. And so the bottom line, let me just get to it right now. Two things. They need belief. We, we, we communicate words of hope and confidence and faith in them that communicates belief, and that means... I probably am going to give you a second chance if I yeah, believe in you, yeah. right? But number two, they need expectation. So they need belief, okay? And, and again, that means we communicate words of hope, confidence, and faith in them, but they need expectation. 
because we believe in them, we hold them to standards that correspond with our words. Yeah. So just one without the other is incomplete. If I say I believe in you, but I don't expect much, the words seem hollow. Yeah. And not only that, and, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are, are thinking this, like, I I don't want to be seen as the one that my students can take advantage of, yeah, right? that's right. That's true. We all had that teacher growing up, right, who, who yeah. was kind of in that same vein, who we thought, yeah. oh, Miss So-and-So's easy, or Mr. So-and-So's yeah. easy, they'll they'll let you get away with anything. Yeah. And we don't want to be that. That's why I love that you balance yeah. those two things out. Yeah, so it really is both. You don't want to feel hollow by expressing belief but not expectation. But if it's if you express expectation without any belief, yeah, that feels harsh. You expect the world of me, and I don't see any sense of belief that I'm going to. No second chances or anything. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So both, both, both are 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 important. So you're probably thinking, listeners, well, aren't I going to get disappointed with with this kind of pedagogy or leadership? Yeah. Yeah. You probably will. There's little doubt that if we lead students this way, offering a second and maybe even a third chance you're going to suffer a little disappointment from those who fail to respond well. Yeah. No doubt. Kids are going to take advantage of our grace and never reciprocate in a positive manner. Some will. I have found, however, that the cost-benefit of giving second chances is definitely worth the risk. That's just been my experience. Over 40 years in education, um, I've observed more students gain from a second chance than a a tight boundary. You do need boundaries but they don't need to be tight. They need to be erring on the side of belief. It feels like the orientation here, the spirit behind this is making it about them, not me, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if it's about me, then it's, no, I gave you a shot. Your shot is up, right? Yeah. And I do appreciate the intensity of that in terms of setting great expectations. But if it's really about them and the goal ultimately is their growth, yeah. then wouldn't you want to facilitate as many opportunities for them to get a chance to grow as possible, Yeah. right? And if that's kind of our attitude and our heart and we're pointing that direction, I think that gives us the best chance to succeed. Well, Tim, this has been great so far. Um, I want us to get to some answers and that's where we're going next. But before we do, let's take a quick break. Hey guys, Andrew here. I'd like to talk to you about our curriculum, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. Growing up in a post-pandemic world means that many students today are facing new challenges and often don't have the social and emotional skills to handle it all. When students possess skills like self-awareness, impulse control, empathy, teamwork, and responsible decision-making, they're prepared to not only survive, but succeed inside and outside of the classroom. Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning comes in both middle school and high school versions and presents a fun, image-based pedagogy designed to delight and challenge your students. Find out more about how you can get Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning to your school by going to growingleaders.com SEL. All right, Tim, we're back. Uh, we've been talking about the power of second chances, and I want you to dig a little bit deeper and start to give us some ideas of how we might, what are some practical ideas for how we might apply this to our leadership? Good, yeah. So there is power in a second chance, and power can be both negative and positive. Yeah. So I want to talk about the benefits and the price tags of a leader who offers a second chance to a to a team, okay? okay? Um, second chance programs, for instance, we've all heard of those, I think, help youth who are or were incarcerated to re-enter society and pursue their educational goals. I'm glad those programs are held in youth detention facilities. 
um, in particular prison education programs and the Second Chance Pell program, increases access to higher education, which is really cool. Some of those students would never go to college had they not been tied down to a place like this incarceration facility. And uh, now you're forced to learn, you know, that sort of thing. Um, A teacher, coach, parent, or administrator plays a role in this sense uh, of of changing the identity of, of a kid. Yeah. So herein is the power of second chances. This is a simple tip, but it's worth periodically reminding yourself. Students, particularly those who may misbehave often, face struggles when they're not in the classroom. Yeah. That's probably why they're acting out. There's a good chance of that. You go home and it's not a safe place. Yeah. So because of that, students should almost always be given a second chance to get their behavior in check. Yeah. You may be the only chance. I don't think daddy is there. And if he is there, he's not given a second chance. Yeah. He may be given a belt. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, folks. Yeah. So let me offer now some practical steps as we kind of tie a ribbon around this that I want you to consider as you listen. And if you're able to jot them down, they're not hard to understand, but boy, they're profound if you practice them. All right. So here's some simple steps. Yeah, let's do it. Number one. The first thing I would say, and it is one on this list, is be mindful of a student's struggle outside of your environment. Yeah. We just talked about that. So um, make sure you're considering what might be happening before they get to school. Yeah. Are they acting out from the very get-go yeah. in that day? Yeah. What are they going back to? Is it no food? Yeah. Maybe maybe it is. No sleep. Or no sleep or no affirmation, no, no love. No safety, yeah. Yeah. That's going to affect their engagement in the classroom. Yeah. Number two. Step into their shoes. So this is slightly different than number one. Try to understand. Um, I I know um, you can't fully step into their shoes because you're not in their shoes, but boy, I'm telling you, empathy is huge. Yeah. So when I when I empathize, I just become a better leader. I broaden my own perspective because I might be judgmental if I don't. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, kids need this, and I think kids understand each other often better than we do needing yeah. this. Yeah. I love the story of Sally. I've told this before, but it's been years. Sally was a little girl in elementary school, so she was young. But um, she asked her dad if she could go play with her, her neighbor. Um, and he said, well, he looked at his watch. Why don't you be home by 6? Because that's when we're going to have dinner. Okay, dad. Slams the door, goes next door. Well, 6 o'clock rolls around. Sally is not there. Ooh, and, wow. and dad's getting a little mad. Yep. 6.05, 6.10, 6.15, 6.20. Sally kind of strolls through the front door. <laughs> he is not happy. Yeah. And you can imagine what he's thinking. You did not obey my command. Yeah. You and know? worried probably too. So yeah. he asks, uh, didn't you hear me talk about six? Oh, yeah, Dad, I did. But um, my friend's doll broke. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking that took 20 minutes you know, to fix it. <laughs> and so he said, oh, so you helped her fix it? And I love Sally's response. She said, no, I was helping her cry. Mm. That's, I think, what sometimes students need yeah. from their teacher. Yeah. And, and it is both um, stepping into their shoes from asking, what is their home life like? But it's also like, what is it like to be in my classroom, right? What is it like to hear my instructions? What is it like to feel yeah. like yeah. my teacher doesn't believe in me, as so many students That's do? Right. And we can put ourselves in that shoe yeah. uh, and really experience what it's like to be on the other side of us. That's important. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And you may be the only one, listeners, the yeah. only one in their yeah. life. You don't know. Um, all right. Number three, um, ask, limp, listen, and empathize before you guide. We talk about this a lot, Andrew, you yeah. and I. Uh, it's just a simple acronym, but ASK, this is A-LEG, okay? 
ask questions instead of tell. When you ask questions, they feel important. Yeah. Listening helps them feel heard. Yeah. Empathizing helps them feel understood. Even if you can't completely step in their shoes, they feel a little more understood when you go, oh, I bet that made you feel awful. Now, you need to get to the guidance, but you do those three first. You've earned your right yes. at the heart level yes. to offer the guidance. I love that. And it's not your badge or your title. It's yeah. your heart that's led them. I love it. So number four, reflect on the true motivation of disruptive behavior. We mm-hmm. talked about this earlier. So attention-seeking behavior, which we've all seen, or just the need for recognition. You talked about being a people, but you like to show off what you did. Yeah. And you were relatively healthy emotionally as a kid. Yeah, but, but I, I still did it in unhealthy ways sometimes. So, <laughs> which is another podcast for that another day. That is another That's podcast. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just reflect on the true motivation of of this this behavior, disrupt, disrupting behavior. Yeah. And then five, and and the last one I want to offer. These are all common sense, but boy, we forget them. Number five is remember the power of every word of encouragement. Mm. Um, don't uh, don't lower the impact of your understanding of just one word of encouragement. You might have thought it was flippant in the hallway, didn't mean anything. You know what I'm thinking of? That experiment that took place, I think it it was at least three decades ago, but it's just as real today. I believe it was at Stanford University. Students were lined up in this experiment to stand barefooted in a bucket of ice water. Not a fun thing to do. Mm. And they were measuring how long they could stand barefooted in the bucket of ice water. Wow. But then they had different variables. Do you know what they discovered? A student could stand in a bucket of ice water barefoot twice as long if someone was right next to them offering words of encouragement. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, we didn't get, our IQ didn't go up, our talents didn't go up, our toughness didn't go, well, it did. Yeah. With a word of encouragement. Yeah. We just are built for community, and when we have it, doing the right thing, teachers and educators and coaches, we just do better. I love that. I love that. Well, Tim, um, this has been awesome and very, very powerful. I think there's a lot of people listening to this who are maybe going to reflect and go, what kind of leader am I really being? Am I a second chance leader or am I a hard nose, whatever kind of thing? There's a time for that, certainly. But man, if we could have the spirit and the attitude of this kind of leader, it'd be incredible. Um, I want you to close by telling, I think it's one of you and I both's our favorite stories of a leader who did this beautifully and the amazing results that came because of that. So please. There's a retired principal um, from Lincoln High School in Walla Walla, Washington that I love telling the story of. Uh, He is retired now, but boy, when he was active in his last assignment, he asked to become principal of of Lincoln High School. His name is Jim Sporleader, and Jim asked for this assignment, which isn't odd. When you have tenure, you can ask for things, Mm -hmm. but it was not a high school anybody else wanted to go to. Mm. It was the alternative high school in that school district. So everybody knows, if you know education, alternative high school means it's that last chance yeah. high school, yeah. you know, where Quite three, literally. three strikes and you're out. Yeah. yeah. But he asked to do it because he thought, I want to end my career doing the most good I can for the most needy of students, the ones mm. that are at risk academically, socially, et cetera. So he decided in his first year, Andrew, to completely change that discipline, school discipline was leveled against students. Um, he decided, first of all, instead of the AP, the assistant principal doing it, he would do it. Wow. The AP said, sure. Yeah, no, no problem. problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Take it right. away, Jim. Yeah. So um, 
Jim handled it, and so he asked teachers, send him to the principal's office, literally to the principal's office, and I'll handle it. And then he decided a completely different strategy he would use to see if it would do any good, and boy, did it. Let me begin by saying Lincoln High School was known for a horrible track record mm. in terms of suspensions, disciplinary, in school suspensions, yeah. ISS, and then detentions, It was just you can imagine. Yeah. These are kids that are at risk. When he led in this new way, suspensions dropped 85% wow. in one year. Not 8.5. That would even be good. Yeah. 85%. So may I tell you what he did? Please do. When a student was sent to his office, let's just say, for an example, dropped an F-bomb in class, mm-hmm. which was a no-no at Lincoln, the teacher would send him to the office. You can imagine this teen, often a male teen, was just wreathing with anger, yeah. just Oh, my God. Looking for a fight. Yeah. In fact, no one I might get in a fight in the principal's office. Yeah. And that'd be fine with me. Yeah. So he's swaggering down the hallway, walks into Mr. Sporeleader's office, shuts the door, often slams the door. Jim wouldn't say a word. He would stand up from behind his big walnut desk, and he would motion for the student to have a seat, very politely, very courteously. So the student would slouch down in the seat, and Jim wouldn't say anything for about a moment or two, mm-hmm. just to make sure emotions were subsiding after a little time. Then he would get up from behind his desk, walk around to a chair that was probably 10 feet away, not much. Mm -hmm. And he would lean forward and say to this teenager that just completely broke a rule, he would say, wow, what just happened in there? That doesn't sound like you. You See how he had an identity Mm -hmm. that was better than what happened? That doesn't sound like you. Are you okay? Is there anything happening at home maybe? Is something going on? Jim would report almost every time the kid would just break down emotionally, mm-hmm. maybe cry. Yeah. But he would acknowledge, yeah, dad just left. Or mom's on crack. Yeah. Or my sister is being sexually assaulted by my uncle or something like that. Yeah. Horrible. But that was the problem. The F-bomb wasn't, I don't like this math equation. Yeah. That was not the problem. It was unrelated. But Jim would get to the issue. And he wasn't a psychologist. He was a leader, a school leader. But the way he led with belief and expectation, this doesn't sound like you. Yeah. I'm giving you this feedback because I have high expectations and I know you can do it. So they would just talk then. And he formed a connection. So he wasn't thinking control. He was thinking connect in that Mm, principal's office. Yeah. Now, Jim would admit, I did have to issue an ISS, you know, an in-school suspension. So, But it was done out of kindness and redemption. Yeah. And Jim said, what blew me away is not only dropping 85% of the suspensions, but he said the kid would often go back to his classroom and apologize Wow! without the prompting of any adult. Mm. That is the transforming leadership that I think we need to offer. But it begins with second chance thinking. That's awesome. Tim, thank you so much. I'm sure there's lots of leaders who are watching this and thinking, oh my gosh, uh, how am I going to get my students motivated, right? Am I going to do the dog and pony show? Am I going to get technology in the classroom? You know what? You can do all of those things, but if you really want to motivate your students, give them a second chance. Communicate that you believe in them and you have high expectations. So thank you, Tim. That was awesome. Um, If you are looking for ways, listeners, to utilize a tool to build some of these really important skills we've been talking about, 
in your students. We just want to commend our tool Habitudes to you. If you don't know about Habitudes, they are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. We use pictures and stories and metaphors to communicate really important social and emotional concepts. If you want to find out more about how you might be able to use this uh, tool, Habitudes, you can head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL and try out a free sample. Again, that's growingleaders.com slash SEL. Well, as always, if you want to rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. If you want to share this episode with a friend, we would highly encourage you to do so and be very thankful. And then if you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. Finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, maybe a topic you think we should cover or uh, perhaps a person you think we should interview, we would love to hear those ideas. Just shoot them over to podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you once again for challenging us to rise to the occasion and give out some second chances. Thank you guys for listening. Go out and lead really well, and we'll see you next time.